Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Josh Brown, there's no other way to start the week than with the wind up. I'm Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello, how are you doing? Maybe I'm shouting too much. I have no idea this microphone is new to me, but you know, the quality is good, Josh Brown. The quality is good. It's crisp. It's peaking, which apparently is a good Listen, thing. Listen, I don't know if that's true. Uh, although nobody else can see this, but I can see it. I can see where you're <laughs> podcasting from. And it looks like a very professional swish time, Scott. I'm hope so. at, in my house with Joe Pesci behind me. You are <laughs> uh, being the professional today and I, holding I, I came the in. up. Came all the way into uh, to what will eventually be the, the fully complete water culture offices, but we're getting there bit by bit. And we've got a nice little podcast studio. So if this audio sounds a bit better, it's because it's in a fancy room with lots of foam on the walls and all that sort of stuff. But in true wind-up fashion, we thought we'd set you off for the week by discussing a whole bunch of games that have just dropped. So um, we're going to try and cover uh, all three games there. Sable is out on Xbox and PC. There's Kena Bridge of Spirits uh, on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. And there's Death Stranding's Director's Cut um, on also PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Yes, yeah. um, maybe. We've, we've been living Is on... Is the director's cut on PlayStation 4? I don't know anymore, but we've we've we've, we've been playing the PlayStation 5 versions. Point being that games yes. are back, or are slowly are. coming back. Far Cry 6 is out in a, a week or two, and uh, it feels like there are a lot of worthwhile stuff. I've also been playing a lot of Lost Judgment, um, which is a brilliant game, but I've only done the ah. sort of first hour or so of that. Um, and Tales of Arise as well, just all sorts of different games. And don't let me let you forget about big rumble boxing the Cree champions either, because that's <laughs> that's in there as well, don't you worry. But um, I thought we would start with Sable, because um, Sable multiple times has made me think um, that this is an easy game of the air contender. I think the, the thing that I really don't like about it is the performance. It runs like absolute hell on Xbox. And I'm playing on Series X, which makes me think that it's even more unacceptable. But I know that me yeah. and you have been, we've messaged, messaged each other a few times as we were playing it. Um, but what's your general thoughts? And I guess what, what would you come down on the performance debate? Well, this is it, man. Like, I don't think we can talk about Sable without being upfront about how mm-hmm. it actually plays. And for me, it's just be, it's been an incredibly disappointing Single to frame, get frame this rates. game. Definitely, man. To get this game that, I, as you know, you know, I've mentioned on this podcast numerous times how mm-hmm. much I've been looking forward to it. It was one of the games um, that I got an Xbox um, for so mm-hmm. quickly so I could play this and um, also an Ori, an Ori, this an Ori. And yeah. uh, I've not heard of that. What's that? I might check that out, maybe. I'll, if it's on Game Pass, I might try it. Um, yeah, but like oh, jumping into it, you know, it's immediately apparent that the game just isn't where it should be, even mm-hmm. on Series X, because like you said, you know, the frame rate just tanks at times um even in low demand areas um there's a there's a very noticeable stutter but once you get out into the world and once you get out into, into some of the more densely populated areas like that thing just um drops and it tanks it's such a shame because everything else about it is so immaculate like it's one of the most 
good looking games I've seen. Like visually, mm-hmm. it's spectacular. The music is great. The writing is surprisingly strong and emotional and deep. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because, you know, I'm playing it and I'm just, I'm knowing that I'm not getting as much out of it as I would be if it was running smoothly and mm-hmm. if the big moments weren't being interrupted by this dodgy frame rate and a few bugs I've encountered as well. And it's it's such a shame because I, as I'm sure we'll get into, you know, there's so much of it that just is immaculate. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's the thing. Like the weirdly as well, they as an artistic decision, they have a sort of drop frame way that Sable and the various characters run around the world. Anyway, they sort yeah. of drop a frame every now and then to make it look a bit more like a flip boot kind of style, um, which I really really like. The thing is with the performance, because um, it is just like massive amounts of dropped frames. Like it is like it's literally single digits sometimes, like to the point where it's hanging for a second or two and then continuing again. And it happens all the time. And I've seen the developers have acknowledged this. They more addressed the PC version, but they did say that they were um, aware of the performance issues and. Assumedly, a patch will be coming um, ASAP. So I guess I don't want to dwell on it too much. And also, like the performance side of it, like it, it is in there. Like you do notice it quite frequently. But I, because of how good and how super, how sublime the game is, um, I did like you know, unless it was right in front of me and the game was hanging for a second, I could just get lost in that world. And the reason yeah. that I think it's one of the, um, you know, it is up there with the game of the year contender. And I know you can say LOL 2021's games, everything is up there as a game of the year contender. But still. <laughs> Um, Sable's thing for me, it like it nails that that lush sense of maximizing a 3D environment that Breath of the Wild did, and yeah. there's a lot of Breath of the Wild in it. Um, it feels a lot like because um, there's a lot of like for me a lot of like Eastern influences in there as well. A lot of it reminds me of almost Mass Effect's take using the Quarians to do like a comment on various like Eastern cultures and Eastern religions, and I feel like that's in here too. Because um, we haven't even <laughs> said what the game is, which is literally <laughs> you are playing a Sable, and um, you're part of a, a group called the uh, Ibexai, or they're like the Ibexes or whatever. Yeah. Um, and there are a group of sort of nomads who go out on different pilgrimages and you can spend as long as you want on your pilgrimage trying to find different pieces of knowledge or whatever you want to get from that pilgrimage. Um, and then you go to someone called the mask maker and you give them different badges that you found. And then the mask maker will make you a mask and you can end the game after you have any of the masks, I think. Um, but that's you choosing whatever path you'd like to be. You get badges based on uh, traders, on different people that you encounter, different uh, quests that you might have done. So you're kind of choosing what personality you want to have. Um, and it's all one giant metaphor, at least to me, of um, sort of that whole thing of like venturing outside of your particular religion that maybe you've been brought up with or the way that you were when you were a child. And sort of going out into the real world, realizing who you want to be, feeding some of that information back into the original community, but also realizing who you are in the process. And that's the thing that I absolutely love about it. That's the stuff that really excels and, and elevates it for me. Um, and like, you know, getting lost and all that, like you have the Breath of the Wild style exploration, but the thematics, you mentioned the writing, um, there's just so much going on that is so lush and drinkable. You can just take it all yeah. in. Like I played it all yesterday or as much of yesterday as I could across my Sunday and I'm loving it. Totally, man. It's, it's such a, an emotional game, even outside mm. of the writing and the way it's presenting this journey. You know, like you said, Sable's on this thing called the gliding where, you know, she goes out and she's, um, it's like you said, essentially trying to figure out who she is, what she wants to be, what her future holds. And I like the kind of tentativeness of the opening. You know, we're not going to spoil too much here, but obviously no. the opening is when you're with the rest of your nomads, the people that Sable has grown up with, and you're kind of like saying your goodbyes. And it's such an emotional moment where you do say that goodbye mm. and she does go off on her, her little own. grandma at the camp wishing yeah. you well. Was, oh, yeah, that's, exactly. that's my grandma, that. Like, just, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> easy to, um, you know, implant your own relative and friends and family mm-hmm. members and stuff onto these characters and then you're off on your own and you're figuring out who you want to be and the way it rolls that stuff out is so um gorgeous and so mm-hmm. relatable that i just think it absolutely um nails its 
thematic drive, at least from the few hours I've played of it so far. And that kind of angle isn't necessarily unique for a game, but I struggle to remember it feeling so potent and so, mm. um, you know, full of kind of like life and character. You know, you really feel like even though you, you only get like an hour with mm. the with nomads at the beginning, you feel like you've known them your entire life. You feel like you're in Sable Shoes going mm. out for the first time and how scary and how big it is. Because when the world opens up, the world is big and it is yep. intimidating. You've got these, you know, lush, grand structures that you're encouraged to explore, but they're big. They're, they're not dangerous, but they're difficult. They're, they're mm-hmm. huge kind of um, things that you have to climb and master and you have to understand the world. And, you know, learning that alongside Sable so far has just been a total joy. So the thing, that's the thing that I wanted to mention before when I said it reminds me of Breath of the Wild in regards to, for me, Breath of the Wild was a reminder of how much video games and the medium have moved past taking advantage of a 3D space. Like exp- what, what exploring a 3D space should feel like, like verticality should matter. Um, and it's not just resigned to platformers. It, it can be something else. And obviously Breath of the Wild was just, here's your marker off in the distance. However you get there is up to you. And the entire open world is one big level. And I feel like so many games have tried to do that since. Um, the likes of um, the game, the game that I'm completely forgetting the name of, the one that was Immortals: Phoenix Rising, tried to do it, um, which I thought did it really, really well. And there was also the Pathless that launched with the PlayStation Five. Um, games that are very minimalist, that are all about taking in a big open world and just sort of learning to traverse it in a fun way that makes the open world the, the level itself. But there's a design ethos that's in Breath of the Wild, and I forget the name of the level designer for Breath of the Wild. But um, they were in an interview back in 2017 saying that they took influence from the way Disneyland is designed, which is if you stand anywhere in Disneyland, you will be able to see like the biggest rides, the biggest things, the biggest focal points from anywhere in the park. So you're constantly just on a loop of like, well, I'm going to go over there. And now I've seen three of the things that I want to get to. But oh, let me do this first and I'll go there later. And that was one of the things that made Breath of the Wild so addictive and sublime and go. I love that game. And so this, that's why I'm highlighting Sable over the likes of Immortals uh, and the Pathless, because the level design here is like spot on. Like, you know, you take any peak and you can just hit like RB or yeah, RB and scan the environment and sort of look out and place markers and stuff. But I've just found myself going like, well, that's like some cool looking temple or that looks like a creature yeah. or like, that's like, there's some weird, like, um, you know, objects emanating from that pile of sand. I wonder what that is and going around. And it's just like, there's no combat in it either, which I, I really like because it has the Breath of the Wild climbing system where it's just a stamina system. You can get upgrades for it. Um, but you're really just running around, climbing stuff, um, talking to people um, and taking in like the gorgeous soundtrack, which is kind of, you know, depending on where you are. Like if you go over camp, it'll change music or um, some of the types of people you talk to have their own theme music, stuff like that. But just all of that thing of like, look how awesome a 3D space can be. I yeah. feel like so many games get caught up in set pieces and blockbuster whatever just sort of like hey look at this thing and it's like no like the old school roots of 3d gaming are still beautiful and it could be done really well i think it's testament to just how well the world is designed and how inviting Mm. and welcoming it is that you know i'm only three and a half hours ish four hours maybe into the game Mm. and i don't think it's that long necessarily but all of the like quote-unquote main quests that i've come across um at the moment you know there are pockets of other nomads, other tribes and stuff that you meet outside who give you um, focus things to do. And uh, it's by the time I've actually got to them, I've actually already completed the quest without knowing it. <laughs> so for instance, there's a wind tower early on. And that was yes. one of the first structures I went to once you leave the tutorial area. And I kind of uh, solved that puzzle, for instance, before meeting the person who was intended to go out and tell me. And you get like uh, okay. um, dialogue exchanges when you do that, when you do preempt it, where the people um, you know, 
react to you taking the initiative and getting there first. I really thought that was a cool wrinkle of how it changed your relationships with these people you meet along the way. And that kind of sense of, you know, curiosity that it instills in the player is, like you said, you know, what makes some of the best games ever made so good? You know, your Breath mm. of the Wild, your old school, um, you know, 3D platformers and stuff. That sense of wonder, that sense of exploration, and the fact that it keeps you hooked without the need for, you know, complex mechanics or combat, mm. like you said, it, it just, it, it has one main thing that it wants to achieve, and it achieves it very, 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 very well. <laughs> and again, you know, it's 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 something that I went to bed last night thinking about because I just mm. got to this really cool and um, evocative location that was such a joy to climb and get to the top of. And you know, I'm I'm excited to get back there to see what secrets that has to offer mm. and see what other stuff is hidden, you know, behind the the, the desert behind these great big um, mountains and stuff. Well, that's the thing, because like, the thing that I love, and it was, again, it's the feeling that I got from Breath of the Wild, where, you know, it's like, here's your stamina system, you can climb this high if you hit the wall at this angle, and and it just it just sparks so many different ideas, and you're like, well, I bet I can scale that if I go this yeah. way and take a rest on this little outcrop, let me, let, me, let me get some stamina back, and I'll do a bit more. And it always felt so rewarding, like, conquering a mountain in Breath of the Wild. And like Sable, like I said, Immortals Phoenix Rising has that, but because of the tone of Phoenix Rising being so crazy and over the top, and Pathless is a very kinetic game, I don't think that game has climbing at all in it. Um, but in this, it does feel like you're conquering an environment because they lay the tone so well at the beginning, kind of yeah. like how Breath of the Wild did with the little tutorial area before you go to the bigger world. Um, and like I said, there's no combat. So the only thing you are doing is exploring and figuring out some, for the most part, very basic puzzles where it's just sort of like this, this door is locked, go find the battery to put in this place or go pick up this thing that was blocking a fan or something like that. Um, but I did totally have a moment that uh, for me has been the thing where I went, oh, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, which I know, you know, it's not going to be unique to this game. It feels like a puzzle that would have been in something like Outer Wilds. Um, but there is a puzzle and I'm only going to really sort of spoil this one tiny puzzle because um, <laughs> there's hundreds of puzzles in the game. Um, but there's one puzzle where you go to a bridge. Uh, it's called the, the the Bridge of the Betrayed. And uh, and you find this like sort of a remnant of a, looked like a, an old statue that was there. And there's like a quote that's next to the statue um, that says, you know, when the when swords clash, uh, go face to face or look face to face or something. And I spent ages trying to figure out what that was. And I was like, I'm not going to Google it. I'm not going to look stuff up. I'll just come back later. Maybe it's something that I need an, an upgrade for. I tried climbing on the statue's face. I tried looking at it. I did whatever. <laughs> and it was, I had this moment where I was just sort of like standing to the side. And, uh, and the way that this game has such a, like a visually represented day-night cycle, like you can literally just stand and watch the clouds move across the sky and watch the sun change the shadows all around you. And it's in like a fairly sped up time. I think a day only takes like 20 minutes or something. Yeah. Um, and I was sitting watching that and the literal, the shadow literally like came over Sable and went down the mountain in front of me, the chasm in front of me. And I saw the two uh, shadows from these two figures line up and I was like, oh, it's that. And I just like <laughs> had this moment, you know, the end of the movie when they're waiting for the breakthrough thing where the detective looks at the, the wall of stuff and just yeah. kind of goes like, oh, it's that. And only the main character knows what it is. And I was like, oh, I know what this is. And I ran back in and like stood and looked face to face with the statue and it opened up because I was like in the right place. And I was like, I get that that would be a very hard thing to replicate. And now everybody can go out there and just go do that. But that's the level of, I feel, um, you know, sort of like magic, like, like a guiding hand in the background that is always reserved for Nintendo, where they yeah. sort of, you don't realize you're being guided towards stuff until it happens. Um, that I feel like that's what elevates Sable as well. And so like, that was one of the things where I was like, okay, this is next level. I also had a thing where I got lost for a while and then I fell into a cave and it was actually the right. cave I was supposed to find like an hour ago. And I was like, I did, how did you even know I was here? Like I was lost for a while. <laughs> and then this is the story thing. And I was like, oh, you guys have, you've really nailed like the open world side of it. 
Yeah, 100%. You know, I went to that same bridge and mm. didn't figure that out necessarily because I thought I would have to come back later. But now the I'm excited wasn't to go in the back sky in, uh, at the right time. So it, it's funny because I was, uh, you know, I think we were, we were maybe messaging before we came on and you mm. sent me the message of um, the little text again. And it's it, like it clicked instantly right. when you sent me the text. Because yeah, you I was suggested like, ah. like, oh, is it that? And I was like, oh, yeah. I would never have got I was, that. I was, like, I was like, oh my God, that gave me like the, uh, the push to go back because mm. I don't know why. I just needed to see that text again. And I kind of figured it out what the crack was but yeah it gets, you get those like um you know light bulb those eureka mm. moments where you figure out the puzzle and you know because the it's so um lean because it's so streamlined in its mechanics and in its focus and in its um you know narrative drive the catharsis comes from those moments where you you know you overcome a a particular structure and then mm. you figure out the puzzle you know it feels like a journey in and of itself that some of the best you know platformer games have um nailed you know years previously but on this mm. the scales just it seems so much bigger and it's just so beautiful to look at as well which certainly helps and i feel like it That's... has this meditative kind of um tone i suppose when i'm playing it it's a very calm game it's a very There's cozy a sit game button. you can just sit, on a clips. sit button yep i've taken so so many screenshots in it <laughs> and uh yeah i think you know the, the music in particular which obviously mm. was a huge reason why i was interested in the first place you know it's performed by and in, in, you know orchestrated by japanese breakfast who i've been a fan of for a good while, they released a album this year called Jubilee. That's one of my favorites of the year. So I was looking forward Ooh. to how they would translate their stylings over to video game form. Because while there are a few vocal driven tracks, a lot of it is kind of ambient. You know, I think mm. Pitchfork, I was reading the Pitchfork review of the um, album. I think they described it as ambient pop, which I totally get. And the way right, that right. kind of changes and interacts with what you're doing at any given moment, the way it kind of accentuates the personality of each kind of camp that you come into contact with is really been driving the emotional side of it, but also kind of complementing the aesthetic side of it. And ultimately the visuals and the music and the writing kind of comes mm. together to make this really meditative journey that is, um, you know, so charming to well, it's like be the, along with. The first time that you get a proper Japanese breakfast, a vocal track, there's one on the, on the opening on the main menu, but then the first time you get like another thing, it kind of does the Red Dead Redemption thing, where like mm. you, when you leave the camp for the first time, you leave the first area for the first time and you get your like souped up uh, bike for the first time because you put it all together with different parts and stuff. And then you get like an actual track and it's like, okay, like this is the game. Like you've got your proper robes, you've earned them, you've put the bike together and you're off to just go wherever you want to go. You can always hold LB and just get like, it brings up, it reminds me of Metal Gear Solid 4. It has that like radial ring thing around yes. the main character. So you can see where you need to go. And I was like, more games should do this. Like have the hood disappear. And when I want to know where I'm going, I'll just bring up this little ring thing. Even stuff like that is just so sublimely handled. Like, like you said, the game's visuals are gorgeous, like a cell shaded look. Um, but with sort of like really like um, like bright primary colors, like even when you jump and do the hover thing, Sable's in like a bright red uh, orb that just sort of looks great. It cast against the whatever you're like you're floating around inside some discarded ship somewhere, um, and it's kind of like that. But overall, like, as you can clearly tell, this game has left a hell of an impression. And I think that we were always looking forward to it to different degrees. You more than me. I was just curious. I played the demo and didn't think it really got me, but I knew there'd be more to it once I got into it in terms of the full story. Um, and the level of writing we touched on before, but that stuff really does accentuate Sable as a character and the different people that you talk to um, and the different emotions that she has when she's going out on her own and stuff. Um, so a very, very lovable game. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Um, something else that I played almost practically in one sitting, and I'll, I'll, this will not take that long to talk about, um, was Kana Bridge of Spirits. Now, I love this game, but I almost forgot that it happened because I did it in sort of, <laughs> I played it a little bit at midnight when it came out, and then I was off the next day. So I played it all day. I did about an eight-hour stint, um, and that was it. It's done. I wish there was more to it. I wanted to go back and do the Platinum, but it just wants me to collect all the little little lads, the little rock, Dude. rock men. I'm not it sounded like you had such a good time with this. You messaged me being like, Josh, it's, it's my day off. I played it for eight hours straight. Gaming's back. And I was like, hell yeah, it is. Hell yeah, it's back. We're having a good time. I'm so pleased this is good because, you know, if people were listening to last week's podcast where we mm. were very cautious about how Cana Bridge of Spirits was going to turn out because it mm-hmm. seemed like some dodgy things were afoot. But then so obviously the day afterwards, very, very strange. And But then it came out and everyone seems to have just thoroughly enjoyed it so i'm really pleased that that's um you know worked for you scott um, i will say can you please give me some kind of overview of your experience if you can remember it because you oh god yes so it's complete. it's massively positive and also like i will totally address the fact that you know some people are like, oh it's it reminds me of playstation 2 platformers i mean what you mean some of the best platformers ever made <laughs> like you mean some of the finest entertainment experiences known to this species like i that whole thing where it's like oh it's ps2 style like i 
yeah, so like, that's great. Like we don't chastise right. games when they're 2D old school platformers. Like there's a way to do a nice chunky platformer. And um, that for me reminded me a lot of Jack and Daxter. And so like, that's for me is one of the highest praises I could possibly give. And I do obviously <laughs> acknowledge the reality that it could be a potential criticism because it's like, well, it is that level of movement that we had in Jack and Dax. It's not kicking off walls. Mm -hmm. It's not sort of, um, I don't know, something more like a Mario Odyssey where you can chain different things together to move through the air more or whatever. Um, but Kena has a very specific goal in mind. And obviously it's it's the first game from Ember Lab, like the, um, the motion studio, uh, motion animation studio. And so that's the thing where I'm just like, you look at the level of the cutscenes, scenes, um, which are absolutely gorgeous. It's like Pixar level stuff. It's like when they did their Majora's Mask uh, fan movie. Um, and you look at the combat model they made. Now the combat for me is the thing that absolutely elevates it. Cause I think the platform is, platforming is fine and serviceable. It's nice. And um, the world looks absolutely gorgeous. There is a distinction between the um, the level of texture detail, level of quality in the cutscenes versus the reality of the character models. There is a dip. You can tell when it goes right. between cutscene to uh, in-game. But overall, the combat for the thing is the thing, thing that made it really sing because that's when you start getting, um, you know, you start with a staff and you get a bow and arrow, then you get bombs and you start chaining those things together. And it's like, you start like planting, you know, one or two bombs on two different dudes um, hitting L1 to trigger them while you're throwing something at someone else. And it's just, you're nailing a headshot. You're hitting these different weak spots on different enemies. And once all that starts coming together um, with liberal amounts of slow motion, no one even have slow motion in games, I will say these days, um, but a lot of slow motion aiming. Um, that's the thing where it really starts coming together and you can do different charge attacks and stuff like that. Um, the only problem is that Kena herself is really thinly written. She's pretty okay. much just the opening line that you get is just, you know, this forest is, um, you know, full of evil spirits. And when that happens, spirit guides are sent out to do what they can. And that's pretty much it. Um, and you get like a little bit more, maybe about six to seven hours in where she talks about what sort of motivated her when she was younger. But that's about it. Like I wanted so much more from her as a character because she's such an identifiable character. Um, and the the way that you you, know, you can take um, you know different photo mode shots and stuff like that. So I was like, well, badass PlayStation heroine with like a bow and arrow. That reminds me of Aloy, and Aloy yeah. is so fleshed out and so well written and so confident that I wish there was more to Kena. Um, but overall, I still would massively recommend it. It's a very breezy game. Like it's very Moorish, very easy to get through. It's funny you mention Aloy, and I hope I'm not being reductive mm. by you know comparing just two PlayStation mascots to a female with bow and arrows. But um, <laughs> when I was looking at the gameplay, you know, especially when you mentioned like the slow mo kind of mm. like uh, precision aiming and stuff, you can, with like you're slow when you're aiming, yeah. Yeah, if if to me at least visually from the few snippets that I saw, that looked very much like the, some of the combat in Horizon Zero yeah. Dawn, which you know is, I'm I'm a big fan of anyway. But mm. this was a game that you know I kind of cooled on after it was delayed so much. But hearing you talk about it and seeing you um, post about it on Twitter and stuff, some of the um, videos that you posted, some of the screenshots that you shared, mm. it just looks really gorgeous. And I feel like you know what you said there about Kana as a character. I think potentially, you know, it seems like the game's done pretty well critically and maybe even commercially. Mm. And we'll get a sequel hopefully sooner rather than later. Hopefully it won't take another nine years or 10 years or whatever well, that's to the thing. get this one off the ground. You would but, hope uh, so. Like yeah. the, the combat model, like I said, is, is I mean, this, that's the thing. There's so much to this where it's like, you've accomplished so much. Like the combat model is one of my favorite combat models in a long time. Like it is very horizon in regards to the bow and arrow combat, but once you realize how many different things you can chain together and the power and the unlocks that you get and the way that they all factor into each other, um, it does start to work like in a quite a unique way or a way that is identifiable to that game. Um, but they're only pulling from archetypal stuff, bow and arrows, bombs. Um, but you know, but the way that stuff chains together is really good. And you also have the rot as well. And um, the rot being um, a collection of these, those little, um, like they look like suit sprites from Studio Ghibli. Studio yeah. Ghibli. 
Um, and so you can customize them, you unlock different hats for them. Um, and they um, can be like, you can charge them up. They, the, the meter they get is called courage. And when they, when they have enough courage, you can send them in to distract someone or do different things like that. Um, and their chain stuff works together. It's like distract someone over there while I headshot a guy over here and whatever. And uh, it's just a lot of jumping around in slow motion, channeling different, you know, putting different things together. And I love so that. That side of it works really, really well. That's all I want in games, just jumping a good <laughs> jump button, which Sable has, by the way. Yes, Sable has yes. a very good jump button. A good jump button, lots of slow-mo. Those just are the two ingredients. I'm, I'm putting my fingers up to the camera. The people know, at home can't is. see this. Those but. are the best two ingredients that every, literally every single game should have. Also, I forget which game lets you do this. I think it might be Ghost of Tsushima. Um, but if you do a, if you put the photo mode on, let me have a button that I can hold to go frame by frame whilst I'm in that mode. Ah. So I can freeze stuff and then look at it from a cool angle. Because I'm, I'm the Matrix fan. I want to know the cool angle in the slow motion. And I want to <laughs> do that. And then I want to see my character do the flip. That's, that's all I yes, want to do. do. I just want to see what they do. So yeah, Canterbury Spirits is uh, absolutely gorgeous. Also, um, just very, very quickly, not to spoil what the ending is, but the ending message is also something that I think is quite unique. Um, and it's mm. not, it doesn't go the way that you maybe think it's going to because the rest of it is quite um, sort of archetypal, even the way Kane is written is, is a trope ostensibly at this point. Okay. Um, but the way that it eventually goes and what, um, like what the rot represents and everything, everything like that, um, I was quite pleasantly surprised by that. I quite like its core message. I think that it's quite... Um, it's 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 weird like it's sort of like a macabre kind of message but i i really like it i think it's very honest um and i, I quite like that stuff so to shout out that as well um last game though is something that um i think you've been living on in a way that's very reminiscent of what you did back in 2019 or 18 which is Definitely. death stranding director's cut um, well, which you message me saying lads i'm ill i've done it again <laughs> I'm back in the tutorial area. I'm delivering all the packages all over again. Well, this is exactly why I've not been able to get around to Canada Bridge of Spirits, because for some reason, I'm back on Death Stranding. Obviously, the director's cut has just released, and, you know, I've been wanting an excuse to go back and fully replay Death Stranding um, all year, essentially. And I was going to do it earlier, then this was announced, so I thought I'd wait, and now the time has come. And, I'm yeah, I'm starting from scratch. I'm doing the whole thing again. And I kind of worried. I think I mentioned this on a podcast previously, but I was mm. a little bit worried because while I loved it the first time through, um, I didn't know if I could replicate that experience on a replay, whether the kind of slow, methodical learning of um, exploring this world and delivering these packages was going to work when you'd already done it the first time. Thankfully, mm. I can say it absolutely does work. And in fact, it works better than ever because I've spent even longer in the <laughs> tutorial area than I did the first time around. And as you remember, Is that Scott even Tilford, possible? I, exactly. I spent a long time in there when I first played it. Um, it's just, it's great. I've played it for seven hours and I still haven't oh, connected everything in that first area. So I haven't even touched the new content. Are I you couldn't tell you platinum? how that plays. I'm going for the platinum. And this is Good. why it's kind of taken so long because I'm getting um, five stars at every center as I go, which isn't actually as difficult as I thought it was going to be because a lot of what you learn playing Death Stranding for the first time um, really you know, travels with you on the second time through. So I'm doing everything, you know, I'm not getting anything damaged. I'm mm. doing everything really efficiently. So I'm getting, you know, the maximum likes for all of um, my, my jobs and stuff. So it's, I feel like I'm making really good progress on it, but it's just great to get back 
into this world you know i'm spending a lot of time in the rest area you know when you go to the distribution centers and you can rest in your room you can look at your equipment you can uh, play some music poses oh and you think you can do some stupid poses i'm even reading all of the interviews all of the um, emails that you get oh, you through because some time? of those i read some of them but by the by the end i was so focused on the gameplay because mm. you get them when you um, make certain deliveries and you get certain stars right so it got to a point where I was so focused on the deliveries that I had like 20 unread and I just thought that ah, I'm not going to sit in the room and do this. But now, Scott, and this is a big plus, and I need to shout out Adam Nicholas for this yes. because when he was going through it, he was sending me some of the songs that I use in the soundtrack, you know, and Pop Virus is an album, for instance. There's a few tracks from there and maybe one track from there, which is really good. So I'm putting these on while I'm in the... Um, the, the, you know, like the downtime areas. I'm putting these songs on, going uh, through my emails and preparing for the next time I, I leave and venture out. Become, and it's been excellent. Have you become a hardcore low raw fan? Because Hideo um, Kojima loves low, low raw. I must admit, I know, They're right. but They're fine. when low raw comes on and, mm. and I'm playing Death Stranding, is there anything better? Does anything hit better? I don't think it does. I Ugh. love those moments where you're kind of coming down a hill, you're going to your objective, one of those tracks comes on and I'm just like, this is a good vibe. You know, it's such a good compliment with Sable, I think, because they're yes. both games about kind of conquering um, the environment around you and having a mastery over that exploration. Mm -hmm. It's been really interesting playing them side by side because I do feel like they complement them in a lot of ways. And it's funny seeing a game like of that style made by a two-person team and then something made with the budget of <laughs> Hideo Kojima and Sony, you know, which is just absolutely outrageous in the There's kind of... That, like how he achieves us the same goal ultimately as well yeah yeah, yeah totally like there's something so crazy about the reality that what you are doing in death stranding is just fetch quests but like the way mm -hmm. that the mechanics come together there is a weird strained satisfaction to it like i i'd lost like three hours like a click of the fingers going back to going back to the director's cut um to the point where i i literally thought it was midday and it was half past four in the afternoon and i was just like what how did <laughs> i must just be right into this because i'm doing so much um, but there is something in like sort of taking the time, obviously Kojima Productions have the production budget to be able to just perfect that feel, that gameplay feel. And the Fox engine was so gorgeous in Metal Gear Solid 5, like the feel of Metal Gear Solid 5 was so spot on. That is still maybe arguably the best third person feeling game, like overall, oh, it's like it's yeah. insane. It's so spot on. And they had to go across and kind of rebuild it using the Decimer engine for Death Stranding. But I feel like for the most part, they've done that. Um, one thing to talk about though, with the, the director's cut is that they changed some of the pacing at the beginning. Um, in regards to they gave you one of the the walking skeletons really really early um I, the thing is if you've been living in the tutorial area you'll not have got that but they... well this is it yeah i don't i don't <laughs> i've got that yes i'm not sure to, all you had to do was get to the, the the middle area like the one that's past the first two spots it might even be the first one um, I'm, I'm definitely there it's like the first distribution center you get to from the first you, bigger from one you it's next off. it's next yes. to a big lake that's right in front of it Yes, um, yes, yes, take, I am there. Yeah. Right, so you take some stuff up to the um, the satellite area, the satellite dish place, and you come back down. And then I think it's uh, <laughs> Die Hardman who um, gets in touch and says, oh, Sam, we've given you a, um, one of the, the weight-carrying skeletons, which is one of the late game unlocks in the original game, but they give you, ah. you, they give you it now. Um, and so that like it's it's one of the story missions anyway gives you it at way earlier in the game to try and alleviate um the little bits and pieces in the director's cut that are sort of aimed at alleviating some of the stresses of the early game um, and it's interesting because at the time kojima was like oh it takes about 20 hours to get good and most people won't like it and i feel like which is fine i i, I like my art not being for everyone that's fine 
But like in the director's cut, and obviously he would say it's a director's plus, um, there are things in here that are directly targeted at getting more people on board. And I did see a Polygon article saying that they hated the original, but they really liked the director's cut. And once it right. got them, once they were into it and they got on the gameplay loop of doing the fetch quest and managing their weight distribution and holding the triggers to keep a hold of your strap so you've got all the stuff on your back and trying to maintain the balance and everything, um, that they got it. They got what Death Stranding was. And that is that sort of weird... You can totally hate it, but once you kind of get it and it like it yeah. said, it's like a vibe game. Once you kind of vibe with it, it's totally it does totally work. Um, but the, what do you think of the, some of the changes? If you if you if you've seen them, it depends how far you've well, got. This is the thing because I made a conscious decision going into it not to import my old save because mm. um, I was just wanted to do it from scratch. So I haven't had any of that stuff imposed on me. Mm. I have had one of a mission where I think I have to go to an underground bunker that is yes. new to do a That's combat situation. Mm. But um, it, even on it, it says like you need, well, it recommends you have one of the guns, which yes. obviously I don't have yet. So I'm going to kind of save all of that stuff for when I'm a bit more upgraded and when I can kind of tackle it that way. You know, I think the stuff that they've added, again, I haven't used it, but from the trailers, and um, I think it looks like a lot of fun. For me, I'm going to play it through with the original equipment the original material the original pace and then once i go for the platinum once i finish the game that's when i'll i'll definitely Trust indulge you, in the like, directors, you could have just played the original one well nah he's what i wanted to pick up uh -huh. on in particular because I, I could have just played the original but i've actually i had the original at disc so to play the uh, director's cut on ps5 i had to reinstall well i didn't have to reinstall the first one but i had to put the disc in mm. so it reinstalled anyway and um, so i have you know, be doing some experiments going backwards and forwards. And I feel like even without side of the, even without the director's cut, you know, content improvements in terms of the new, um, you know, kind of like abilities, the, the new missions cannons. and stuff, the cargo cannons, I feel like it's worth it just for the sex, uh, 60 frames per second. I almost said that. I'm <laughs> not that horny it for it. I'm not that horny for it. It's uh, 60 frames per second. The dual sense, kind of like the rumble in that is mm. so good when you're kind of going over the terrain. The resistance it gives you when you're holding down the triggers and trying to keep hold of your um, you know, backpack and stuff. So that's been great. And the performance has been solid. The boost to 4K has been excellent. I think the resolution is just amazing. The kind of like new effects in terms does of look cool. water and stuff. It just looks better than ever. It plays better than ever. And for me, that, that was worth the upgrade. That was worth mm. me waiting and jumping in, especially because thankfully, you know, Sony has not made the Ghost of Tsushima mistake where they're charging 25 quid for an upgrade <laughs> for this. If you own Death Stranding on PlayStation 4, it's um, five pounds and then, which yes. you could still argue it should be free, but it's five pounds at the moment. And you get the director's cut content, you get um, the PS5 upgrades, you even get like the digital deluxe content that was, um, you know, originally oh, all the... Oh. the yeah. No. The, no. No. The, just I was going to say the, the tie-ins. Is that what yes. you're going to say? Yes. 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 Because yes, 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 they yes. they added stuff like uh, now in the director's cut by default you get the cyberpunk stuff. Yeah. Um, there's like there's a face thing you can put on Sam that gives him like the circuitry on his cheek and stuff. And uh, I think that it's one of the upgrades for the bike is like a cyberpunk style bike Some or something. Half life so, stuff in there as well. Yeah. There's loads of little like sort of like cross pollination of franchise. It's just whatever Kojima likes, isn't it? I mean, he couldn't they couldn't <laughs> yes. they couldn't renew the Monster Energy license, so they had that to make. Bridges Energy or whatever it's called. That was so disappointing. Genuinely, that was so disappointing. I don't drink, um, you know, even I, I, sometimes I have an energy drink as a treat, but I'll get right. like a Red Bull. I don't even that's like Monster. It's a treat, you know. That's how old I am. Man. Oh, it's um, Saturday night. Bust out the Monster. Carry on. That's what I did on Saturday. Genuinely really? what I did. I got the Monster in. Don't even like it, but I thought, you know, it's it's. I'm playing Death Stranded. You want a relentless, mate? That's the, that's the one with the cool Lots logo. 
I did use no, I did used to mm. drink relentless, but I used to like the other flavors, whatever. That relentless and scotch yes. eggs as a combo got me through university. But carry on. <laughs> relentless, <laughs> relentless was a big lecture kind of um, yeah, yeah, booster yeah. for me. A big all nighter when you were pulling um, assignments out your it's ass been a while, in, in it, the library. Nice. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, but yeah, the point was I got this monster in that I don't even like just to right. celebrate the game. And then I got to that point and it was like Bridges Energy. And I thought, what the hell? What the hell, Kojima, <laughs> is this? You've still got your ride with Norman Reedus advertisements oh, in there. Why haven't you got this madness in? Like, if you're going to commit to the bit, if you're going to sell out all your integrity, do it for good. Don't also, come a few months later with the director's cut and pretend it wasn't there. No, commit no. Commit to it. But also, like, the amount of different deals that he had, he had to reapproach all of oh, Sony. Someone had to reapproach all these different people and go, do you still want Cyberpunk in it? Do you still want like, <laughs> AMD, whatever you call that? Walking Dead people? Do you still want the Norman Reedus' new show? Um, and then Monster went, nah, nah I don't, <laughs> nah. We're not, we're, not, we're not fans of that. Just sort of, like, we didn't like the implementation of that. Whatever reason, I'd love to know what the reason is that it's not in. Because the mm, idea of, like, too. Monster Hunter literally helps you save the world. Like, it wasn't yeah. that hard to spin that into an advert. But um, as a final thing, a very quick thing, uh, what are your thoughts on the story? Because I've skipped all the cutscenes. I'm not watching that toss ever again. Fascinating that. Um, the story <laughs> is both some of the best and worst elements of it, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. A lot of the stuff with the president and um, the idea Is that Emily Bridges-Strand? It? Uh, it is that it is that and, and reconnecting america a lot of that kind of like falls flat but i think like the horror stuff and the writing around the bts and the death stranding itself like mm. for, for for me that that worked the first time around it works now i feel like the way that those cutscenes in particular are captured and um, it completely sells the world and i'm interested now going through all of the interviews and stuff to dig even deeper into exactly how it works i feel like the story can be amazing and it can also be really bad, often in the same scene, often yes. within the same people talking in a scene as they go through the different lines. But that inconsistency is kind of key to its charm anything, in a way as well. Anything with uh, Norman Reedus uh, as Sam Porter Bridges having to tell people that he doesn't like other people, that he, he's, he's isolated, literally just saying that, just saying, no, I've given up on humanity. I, I know it's not for me that. No, get someone else to deliver your packages. And just that, just... I just, can you imagine a world where Hideo Kojima just lets someone else write? Just anyone, just let anyone else write. And because he's a, he's an immaculate director, like he the is. cinematography, the shot choice, the, the tone, like for the most part, really, really works. And he loves his horror stuff as well. The way all the BTs are captured, like you said, um, but the writing, oh my God, like, At what are we doing? At this point, Scott, I feel like if I'm going into a Hideo Kojima production, <laughs> I want mean. it all. I want the indulgences. <laughs> I can get good writing from a bunch of other sources, but I can't get <sighs> mad writing and I can't get uniquely no. mad writing of this level that manages to genuinely be good at times, but always be interesting at the very least, think, fascinating at the very it's least. It's just Kojima loves a monologue. It doesn't matter where you are in a scene. It doesn't matter what, what pace we've got going. It's just sort of <laughs> someone's going to monologue about everything that's going on in their lives. And, uh, and it's ridiculous. But yeah, Death Stranding remains easily one of the most like essential video games of the last few years, if not all time. And um, for all of these reasons and more, it's such a weird, unique thing. And I think even if you come out the other end of it, like hating it, I think you have to be glad that it exists. I think it's one of yeah. those properties that it's just, you should try it for a bit. Um, and this, I think, this, would you also say that this is the better one to dive into? Because I, I would. Oh, definitely. I think this is like the definitive version. If mm. you're going to pick up Death Stranding, I feel like even without the director's cut stuff, which, you know, might alleviate some of the problems you had the first time around, mm. the boost to performance, the graphical, um, you know, increases and the different options that you get are just, you know, it's, it's the definitive version, you know, yes. in my eyes.
No, absolutely. I think that them, everything that they've put into it, like they're, they're, there's so many different gameplay things that speed up stuff, but I think the overall vibe of Death Stranding, talking about vibe games a lot, um, but the overall vibe of Death Stranding is gorgeous. Like it is this yeah. thing that once you, if it clicks with you, um, then you will just lose hours and hours and hours to do as many fetch quests as possible, um, like we have. Um, but yes, for now, this has been the wind-up. Hopefully you'll still be wound up for the week and let us know what things you've been playing across the week. I might put some tweets out, so get some questions. Please do. Get some talking points uh, for next week and we'll see what other stuff uh, drops across the across but for now yes this has been the wind up i've been scott tailford joined by josh brown goodbye let us know how many hours you spent in the tutorial area of death stranding please <laughs> yes let us know what your favorite walking skeleton is and we'll catch you next week bye-bye goodbye hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know Cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain. I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.